where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Last week was an important reminder that there's a significant difference between an Easter celebration and an Easter moment. And that reminder has continued to grab hold of me this week as well. We remembered and remember still that an Easter celebration is like an anniversary or a special event. It's a special party with distinct music and food and customs and decorations and wardrobes. We even sometimes have particular weather associated with Easter celebrations. An Easter moment, on the other hand, is a resurrection experience. It's a turning point. And resurrection experiences, by comparison, are messy and disorienting. They're confusing and dramatic and unpredictable. It's like the difference between birthday parties and the actual day of birth. There's quite a difference between that day of birth and a first birthday or a 15th birthday or a 30th birthday party. Or the difference between a 12-step anniversary and the actual day when the journey of recovery began, which is often at the bottom. What we're reading in scripture this morning is a retelling of a resurrection experience. It's like telling the story of your birth on your 50th birthday, or sharing the story of your recovery on the 25th anniversary. It probably includes a lot of information that you didn't know firsthand, but that other people told you along the way. So suffice it to say, the story may have been refined and refashioned a bit, as any good story is. But don't let that get in the way of hearing the message. Not just the message, but the gift that the story conveys. And I'm reading this morning from the community we've come to know as John, the 20th chapter. Last week, we read from the same chapter, and we heard that it was the first day of the week while it was still dark, and now it's still this very first day, a long day, if you will, but now it's evening. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So returning to our story evening on the first day of the week. From an empty tomb to a locked room. 
I would never have thought of this a year ago, but when I read the scripture this week, I realized that the disciples were sheltered in place. And they were afraid. I know that many of you are afraid right now, and that despite the boredom of being sheltered in place, you are doing everything you can to help slow down the spread of this virus, and it seems to be working. So you can know that we are, for the most part, doing our part in helping. But I also want to remind you that this sheltering in place does not mean that we have not or will not come in contact with the virus. We are sheltering in place so that we can slow it down. And many will survive. Many, 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 most will survive. But not everyone will. And that's a source of great grief and great distress for many people. And I don't think it's a stretch to compare what we're living through now, in some ways, with what the disciples were experiencing on that night. The need and the pursuit of power and control were rampant. And those who wanted it and had it would do anything to prevent giving it up. Everyone was at risk of being on the other end of violence if they stepped out of line or stepped out of place. And the disciples knew this. That's why they were locked up. They knew that as students or friends or associates of Jesus, their lives were now targeted. I mean, that was the whole purpose of the resurrection, was to scare them and to send a powerful message that this is what you will meet if you preach this gospel of love and empowerment. Message received. But there were other messages being conveyed in that time. The message of the tomb being empty. The message of Jesus appearing to people and speaking to people. Now you would think that this would be very confusing. And it was very confusing, but you know, because we have the whole story or what was written down anyway, Jesus did tell the disciples that this was going to happen. He told them how it was going to turn out, so to speak, including the part about I'll be back. And not in the Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of way. The I'll be back as a man of peace and as a person of peace. And when he came back to that room that night, in the midst of their fear, he offered words of peace. Peace be with you. In other words, may you be well. Do not be afraid. And he breathed on them. This is sort of the contagious part, right? I know now when I see people and I get a little too close, I hold my breath and it's all about restraint. I mean, I walk up to people and I want to hug them and I want to step closer. I'm, you know, notorious for stepping on people's feet when I hug them because I step in so close. 
But all of that is on hold right now. But in the midst of that fear and that restraint, Jesus steps in. And this breathing piece is reminiscent of Genesis, of the creation story or the creative breath of God that gave birth to humankind. That breath is also reminiscent of Ezekiel. Perhaps you're familiar with the story of the Valley of Dry Bones, where the breath of God brings those bones to life. It's a resurrection story. But it doesn't just end with that. It doesn't just end with the peace. Jesus then sends them out. And so for us right now, that's a little tricky. We can't really be sent out easily. So maybe it's more than just physically being sent out. How can we, given our current situation, make God and God's ways known in the world? Is it through phone calls and cards? Through open windows and howling? Is it through planting trees, perhaps, or flowers, or tending to your garden? You see, resurrection moments, moments like this, are always too much. It's like way over the top. It's just, it, it consoles our spirit and our soul, but only after it's devastated our sense of who we are and how we think the world should be. It's like the difference between the contemplatives when they say the true self and the false self. The true self is always comforted and consoled in the presence of resurrection. The false self spins out of control and doesn't quite know what to do. Another way of saying that is that God experiences, which resurrection is, God experiences confront our distortions head on. And they provide clarity, however fleeting that may be. I know that in this time of sheltering in place, we're all going through cycles of clarity and perspective that are helpful and of disorientation and confusion and despair that take life away from us. So wherever you are in that cycle today, hear this, that God experiences will confront the distortions and that is good news. Let it be. And having said that, the distortions are very real, so don't beat yourself up over it. Allow it to be, and allow it to pass as well. For instance, uh, there's a major distortion that violence is redemptive somehow, or that somehow violence is a way to peace. That is a distortion of the way of Jesus and the way of God which tells us that in a moment of clarity, we know that forgiveness and mercy are the way to peace. There's also a distortion of independence and control 
you know, I got this. I'm fine. Everything's okay. But that leads way to the clarity of interdependence and genuine need. That's clear thinking, that we are interdependent. And we have genuine need. I need help. I need others. I'm scared, depressed, anxious, overwhelmed, in over my head in debt, lonely, grieving, fill in the blank. If you don't know all the realities on that list, I'm sure you know some of them. And so how do we enact and engage our interdependence? How do we express our genuine need without guilt or shame? There's also a distortion of despair and destruction that somehow that's the end of the story or the only story. That's just not true. Resurrection offers us the clarity that there is life beyond despair and destruction. That new life always beckons, even if it takes longer than we think it should. Resurrection is the continuation of the story. We like to say don't place a period where God has placed a comma when it comes to looking at scripture. And I think resurrection, what follows death is more like a semicolon. It's a stop for sure, but it's not the end. And in the stopping is a moment for reflection or a season of reflection. That will give way to clarity. So resurrection is a continuation of the story, a continuation from death to life, from fear to freedom, from isolation to community. These are the ways of God, the ways of life, of freedom, and community. And let's be clear that freedom isn't being able to do whatever you want to do when you want to do it. Freedom has responsibilities for others and to recognize the web of interdependence, not as a trap, but as a cycle of life and love, and well-being. And Jesus is saying in this resurrection story, make God and God's ways, excuse me, make God and God's ways known in the world, in all aspects of your life. Remember when, we say this at home sometimes, remember when you used to go to school in a building Remember when you used to go to work in another town or at an office? Do you remember that? That allowed people to have different aspects of themselves showing up in these different places. And now it's all in one house. How's that going? It has its moments, doesn't it? 
making God and God's ways known in the world in all aspects of your life. It's a gift of integration, and it's a gift of community. So what are your resurrection stories? The story in the community we've come to know is John tells us that there is peace in the presence of resurrection. So another way of asking that question is, when and where have you known peace? I saw on Facebook, and I couldn't find it again, uh, a new way of naming the days during this shelter-in-place. And I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like, you know, there's, instead of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's this day, that day, the other day, one of these days, someday. So maybe your time of knowing peace is in the past. Maybe it's something that you've experienced already this morning. Or maybe it's just around the corner. The continuation of this story in John includes Thomas. Thomas was the one that wasn't there when Jesus came and revealed himself in the room. And he didn't quite believe it when they told him about it. He said, you know what, I want to see for myself. And there's no condemnation in that exchange when Jesus comes back and shows Thomas for himself. And we can be assured that the risen one is willing to do the same for each and every one of us. But until that day, if it hasn't happened for you yet, until that day, Allow yourself to hear the stories of others in scripture and in song so that when it does happen, you'll know what's going on. And those moments, those precious gift, gifted moments are worth singing about.